Hello, everyone. I'm Sierra. And I'm Ashley. And this is your Weekly Weekly Dose Dose of Wicked. little chickens i liked that that was a good intro ash good job <laughs> thank you <laughs> i felt good oh man that was good thank you for joining us on this beautiful wednesday wicked wednesdays it is indeed uh so what do we got going on in the world of weekly dose of wicked oh i don't think there's anything new just the same old same old what is that sierra if you haven't done so yet check out our patreon man it is popping pop in for sure it's where you party hardy my lip gloss be popping my lip gloss be cool. my lip gloss be cool all the boys keep stopping chopping stopping <laughs> chopping what <laughs> they chased me after school what you know about me what you what you know about me anyway it doesn't matter okay so anyway patreon's where it's at guys we now have four tiers got the slightly wicked that's only three dollars a month it's essentially like 70 cents an episode if that's something you guys can do over the course of a year so we'd really appreciate it um if you're feeling more generous than that then we've got other tiers but you know i mean three bucks what's what's three dollars a month really nothing i mean if we if we could get tenia to do that that's 30 bucks though so you know there's that that'd be cool that'd be the business what else we got going on um ratings and reviews Head on over to Apple Podcasts. Oh, you know what? We do have exciting news. First of all, head on over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and review. In other news, according to Listen Notes, which uses analytics, we're one of the top 5% of podcasts in the globe. Take that. So, yeah. Just saying. Armchair athletes. <laughs> Don't bring up other podcasts, <laughs> Ashley. Even though that's well, not the name of the other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take that out. That's not the name of the podcast. I feel like we could leave it in there. Our dad is very passionate about our podcast. So he was quite upset when we moved we moved ranks in and the armchair athletes took over. <laughs> and they didn't even take over. They just went one spot ahead of us. Yeah, they just moved a spot ahead of us. But he was like, your, your podcast, way better. You guys should be famous. Thanks, dad. <laughs> I'm glad you think we should be famous. You're the only one that matters. For sure. What other exciting mm-hmm. stuff we got going on? Should we tell them about our exciting Christmas stuff coming on? Or no? Just tell them we have a special treat for them? Just tell them we got a special, special taste. A special taste? What is a special taste? <laughs> I don't know. I was Are you drunk? Word. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm tired of shit. I've been up since five. It's a midnight. And you're eating. And now I'm hungry. It's just a little bugle. Yeah, a little taste. I'm going to need you to quit that. Okay, I'll stop. We have something in the works for you guys for the month of December, so keep your eyes peeled for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be super cool. We're also talking about possibly um, advertising it, so maybe we can get some other people in here to listen to it, but we'll see if that happens. It'll all depend on the Patreon support, if we can afford that or not, because ads are expensive, guys. Super expensive. I didn't realize how expensive it was to advertise. I thought it was just like free. I didn't think it was free. (laughs) I didn't think it was free either, but I didn't think it was as pricey as it is anyway that's gonna be coming up soon um we have our our beautiful handsome father is gonna record that uh intro for that special december episode on sunday <laughs> yeah i can't can wait talk him into it he said he would he said if i wrote it down he would record it on sunday we'll see 
He has a missed calling as a singer. <laughs> I, that's what he thinks. No, I think he's he's probably better than we are. We're terrible singers. He's funny. But anyway, so that's going on. Um, we talked about Patreon. We talked about ratings and reviews. Um, if you haven't already, find us on Facebook and Instagram. Like and follow us there so you can stay up to date with all of the news. Also, you guys should be on Instagram because it's November 9th, which means we've posted some funny pictures on Instagram. Yes. You need to see those. At this point, we've posted pictures of my bad bangs. We've also posted pictures of Halloween 1998. Those are good pictures. Uh-huh, for sure. So anyway, that being said, I think we're good to move on into the case, Ash. I think so. Alrighty, well, buckle your seatbelt. I didn't hear the sound effect. Still didn't hear it. Because I need a new king mic. <laughs> You're not going to hear it. It's because my mic's, my mic's trash. Yeah, kind of. Okay, anyway, okay. so we've buckled our seatbelts. So anyways, so the date is February 5th, 2010. We're in Niles, Michigan. I don't like that. Why? That wasn't that long ago. Mm, I mean, it was 12 years ago. Ashley, I was graduating high school that year. It wasn't that long ago. Well, it was 12 years. You're old. Put the bugles down. I pulled at Ashley and I flipped you off in the camera. Yeah. How'd you like that? I didn't really care, but put the bugles down. Okay. Just because you go off the screen to eat the bugle doesn't mean I can't see you. Anyways, February 5th, 2010, Niles, Michigan. Around 12.50 p.m., John Tarwacki Sr. called 911 to report that his son and daughter-in-law were dead in their home and had been shot. I don't like that. Me either. When asked if the assailant was still in the home, he responded, There's no suspect. Their door was open, and I walked in the house, and they'd been shot. When first responders arrived on the scene, they confirmed that both John and Carolyn Tarwacki were deceased. John Tarwacki, 42, was found laying face down in the hallway with two gunshot wounds and 10 stab wounds. That's some overkill. Yeah, just just a little. He was shot once in the jaw and once in the chest. They believe that his gunshots were the cause of the death. Carolyn Tarwacki, 39, was found laying on her back with two gunshot wounds, four stab wounds, and was severely beaten. So, some more overkill. Yeah, for sure. Just a smidge. One of the stab wounds severed her aorta, which was her cause of death. The local police knew that they would be in over their heads, so they immediately called in the state police to assist them. That's a good call. Very good call. That was one of the first things they did. I like it when um, local police are not so conceited and, like, big-headed that they realize, like, oh, we can't handle this. Right, nope, so they called for help. Good job. That was good. Good on them. So because of the brutality of the crime, the police immediately believed that the suspect was someone that they knew and it was personal. While they were looking through the house, they found the dog. His name was Wrigley. He was a 200-pound mastiff. He was locked in the laundry room unharmed. So this also backed up their theory of a familiar assassin. <laughs> a familiar assassin? <laughs> yeah. That's not what I meant. A salient. As Wrigley was... I put again, 200-pound Mastiff. I don't know. Maybe I was also drunk when I wrote this. I don't know. It's possible. You do get drunk a lot. You're kind of a little boozy. No, I wrote this at work, so I must have just been distracted. Okay. So he felt threatened. So if he felt threatened that the suspect was there, there would have been evidence that he fought back the dog. So they thought that they must have known whoever this person was came into their home. 
The crime scene also made the cops believe that this was a surprise attack from the positioning of the bodies. It seemed that they just dropped wherever they were. It didn't appear that their belongings had been touched. Electronics, cash, Carolyn's purse, both of their cell phones, jewelry, and other valuables were untouched. When looking through the crime scene, they found a knife was missing from the knife block in the kitchen. Police searched the home, but they didn't find the missing knife anywhere, so they assumed that this was one of the murderers. Can I just tell you how ballsy that is? Yes. Like, I can't stand a murder that involves a murder weapon found in the home. Like, you've got to be a ballsy mother effort to break into someone's home with no weapon. Well, there was also gunshots, so he had a gun. Okay. But still, I, I forgot. Mean, I forgot about the gunshots. Either way, I mean, honestly, people that break into houses in the dead of night or any time of day, honestly, are the most terrifying. Because, like, you don't know what's behind that door. Well, it wasn't the dead of night. It was the dead of the day. Okay, but I'm just saying. That's why I said, or any time. Right. But, like, you got to be ballsy. Right. You don't know what's behind that door. You might open that door, there'd be a shotgun in your face. But you don't care. You do it anyway. Yeah. I mean, there's a 200-pound dog. Right. They don't even care. Like, terrifying. That terrifies me. Yeah. People that do that, they are some scary people. Mm-hmm. The worst. One bullet casing was found at the scene. So the second murder weapon was determined to be a thirty-two caliber revolver. There was no forced entry. So again, it helped the theory that the suspect was someone that they knew. It was determined that the suspect entered and exited through the back door. It was February in Michigan, so there was snow on the ground. There were two sets of footprints, one going toward and one leaving the back door. Next to these footprints were also six drops of blood. With these new findings, they called in more recruitments, the Cass County Major Crime Unit. They, the Major Crime Unit immediately examined the footprints and made molds of them. From the footprints, they determined that the strides were different in the two separate tracks. The ones entering the house were at a normal pace, but the one exiting the house were running. They knew this because when you run, your strides are longer. So that well, no shit. Apart. Homeboy just shot and stabbed people. I would assume he'd be running. Well, I mean, yeah, you would assume so, but... I'd be more concerned if he was scary. just leisurely walking. <laughs> I mean, yeah, me too, but I'm just saying. That's That'd be like mean. signs of a freaking sociopath if he's just like, oh, going on a nice little walk. Well, you never know. The footprints in the snow also gave the police an estimate of the suspect's height from the stride length and their approximate weight from how deep each depression was in the snow. Which I think is really freaking cool. From footprints in the snow, they, like, got a physical description on a person. I suppose. I mean, Dad's Samsung watch can tell his weight just by sending electromagnetics through his body. Okay, but this is 2010. This is 12 years ago. I don't feel like 2010 was that long ago. Okay, I mean... We didn't have Samsung watches in 2010. I mean, have we come that far in 12 years? I mean, we didn't have, everybody didn't wear an Apple watch or a Samsung watch in 2010. So. True, I guess. I just like to think that 2010 was like yesterday. Well, it wasn't. It was 12 years ago. So. Okay. Thank you for making me feel old. You're welcome. Anytime. So I thought that was pretty cool, but I guess you don't. So anyways, the prints leading away from the house go out the back door and towards the main road and stop at a fence. So the suspect ran out of the house, jumped the fence, and then they believe he got into a getaway car. Next to the footprints in the snow was a strand of hair. Testing was ran on the hair, and it was determined to belong to a female child. A female child? Yes. Why was her a child at a murder scene? I don't know. I don't like that. 
the blood was tested that was on the ground, and all of the six drops were all Carolyn's. The time of death was determined to be between 6.50 and 7.50 a.m. <laughs> You're just making faces and eating bugles. Stop. Stop eating bugles. I literally have three bugles left, and then the bag's gone. Okay, well, hurry up and eat them. You annoy me when you eat when I'm trying to tell you a story, because then you just make faces and I mute and myself. Exactly. I mute you mute yourself. So then by the time you unmute yourself, I've already moved on to the next sentence, so then you don't say anything. I don't eat when you podcast either. I'm sorry. I don't like that time of death. Why not? I don't know. I'm not a fan of early morning times of death. Because I am... <laughs> don't laugh at me. I don't like I that because am... it's too early. No, not for me. <laughs> if you're going to kill me, wait until the afternoon, please. No. Um, I don't like that because I am a super paranoid person. Yeah. And there's many nights when I stay up until like 3 or 4 in the morning with no problem. And the reasoning for that is because sometimes I may be a little, um, I don't want to say scared. I don't know. I don't know the word I'm looking for. Like there's some nights when I stay up until like 3 or 4 in the morning. And then I think to myself like, ah, oh, it's safe for me to go to bed now. The likelihood of someone breaking in and killing me is very unlikely because Jacob gets up for work in two hours. Right. But then like That's you're cool. like, oh yeah, 6 in the morning. People are killing people at 6 in the morning. Yeah. Well, it's 7, 6.50 to 7.50. Okay, but still, that's still super early to be, like, on a murder spree. Yeah, I agree. I don't like that. Me either. Like, the 2 a.m. ones, I'm like, okay, they never went to bed. But, like, 6 a.m., you had to get up real early to be killing someone at 7 in the morning. No, I think this guy didn't go to bed. Okay. So, anyways, police began questioning neighbors, family, friends. And they found some things out about Carolyn and John. So, Carolyn and John have been married for just three years. Were they swingers? No. Oh, okay. I, like, I, I didn't mean anything, like, bad. Like, they're just, they found out things about them. Uh, well, you said they found out some things. So I was like, oh, <laughs> did they have a pineapple on their front door? That did sound suspicious, but no. No, they found out normal things about them. Carolyn and John have been married for three years. Okay. John had two previous marriages and was retired from the Navy, where he was a nuclear power submarine engineer. Red flag. Two divorces? Yes. Okay. Okay, John, I see you. He also had three grown adult children from his previous marriages. Okay. John was known to have a great sense of and loved to have fun. They both worked at a music store named Quinlan and Fabish Music Company. And that's where they met. Hmm. It was a store that rented and serviced instruments to schools and other institutions. They were both musicians and loved music and the art. They worked together to teach and create music in their free time. And their whole life really just seemed to revolve around music. They worked at a music store. They spent their free time making music, teaching people music. They just loved it. They're both super sweet people who gave to their community. A random fact that has nothing to do with the case really, but I found it and I thought it was cute, was that they dressed up as Santa and Mrs. Claus every year for Christmas. Every year. They'd only been together for three years, but... Or married for three years. I don't know how long they'd been together, but I thought that was really cute. Yeah, that is cute. Carolyn was a beloved music teacher in the community. She taught in her free time. She played many instruments, including the euphonium. Do you know what that is? No idea. I'd never heard of a euphonium, but it's a brass instrument. It's like a tuba, but it plays higher notes than a tuba. Interesting. I just thought it was funny because that's a funny name. Euphonium. <laughs> okay. I feel like euphonium she, players probably don't agree that the name's funny. I mean, I don't know. Probably not. <clears throat> she was described as caring and generous to everyone she met. She spent pretty much all of her free time teaching and sharing her love of music to kids in the community. 
They just lived a super like normal, under-the-radar lifestyle. They didn't do anything really that would have a target for such a brutal crime. They took in Carolyn's teenage nephew, Keelan, I think is how you say it. K-E-L-A-N, I think it's Keelan. Um, Carolyn's sister, Katie, had recently remarried, and Keelan didn't get along with his stepdad. So Katie chose her husband's side, and they decided that it would just be best for Keelan to move out and move in with Carolyn and John. How old did you say Keelan was? Um, He's 16. I don't think I said that, but okay, pretty crazy. I really hate that. Yeah. Like, I don't understand why. Well, it would just be best if you just moved out. Moved out. Go live I, just, I just really hate when parents don't take their children's side over. Like, I mean, I understand you might be lonely, you want another, you know, significant other, but like your kids should always come first. Yeah. I don't like that. Okay. So once Keelan moved in with Carolyn and John, he was really thriving. He was just living his best life with his aunt. He seemed to be happier. He was enjoying life more. He was planning for his future. He was excelling in school. All the things that he was not doing before living at home. Well, maybe it was for the best then. Yeah, I really think it was. He loved living with his aunt. Um, he said that she would just do anything for him, that she was that way with everyone, and she just made his life better. Good. I like that. I'm happy for him then. Once the police found out about Keelan, they immediately went to his school to see if he was okay. They weren't sure if he'd been endangered in the attack, if he was missing, if somehow he was involved. So they got to his school and he was in class. They pulled him out and brought him to the police station for questioning. He wasn't hurt, so they immediately thought that he was involved and treated him as a suspect. Well, that's some bull squash. Agreed. I can't imagine that he was involved. I mean, I could be wrong, but... You're not. I'm not wrong? No, he's not. Okay, good. The way you paused made me think that I was wrong. I was about to be really sad. Well, I was debating if I was going to tell you or not, but... That I just decided. I, I was about to be really sad. <laughs> no, he was not involved. So they treated him like a suspect, but when they told him why he was there, it was because of his aunt and her husband were murdered. He reacted like he was hearing it for the first time and was very emotional. He seemed to be kind of troubled and there was no forced entry. So he was really their top suspect. Um, I also think it was kind of crazy. They didn't have an adult with him during his questioning. Uh, yeah, that sounds illegal to me. Yeah. I mean, did he have so an adult? Like, did he have anyone to be with him, though? Because, like, his mom, I mean, like, where was she? Um, I didn't see, like, exactly where she lived, but, like, she came in to be questioned, so she couldn't have lived that far. So do you think that was just and, an oversight, or? I mean, yeah, I think, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if they, like, did it intentionally. Or if it was malicious, or if it was an oversight, I don't know. But his grandmother lived in town, or his grandparents, his grandpa is the one who found them. Right. Are you eating something else? <laughs> no. Yes, you are, Sierra. Stop. I'm not eating anything. You are. I was just sniffing something. No, you're not. I see a spoon in your hand. <laughs> I am just letting it thaw while you tell the rest of the story because by the time you're done with the story, it'll be thawed. You're really annoying. I'm not eating it. I was just letting it thaw. It's hard as a rock. You don't have to worry about me. Anyways. How old was the grandpa? Do you know? No. I think it's really sad. Because you said like his kid was like 49. Like his son was like 49. So he's probably like an eight-year-old little man. Yeah. 
I hate that. Probably like in his 70s or 80s. Hate it. Keelan's grandmother and Carolyn's mom, Sharon Knight, says that that morning she talked on the phone with Carolyn. Then Keelan came over to her house before school. Sharon lived only two houses down from Carolyn, so she could have been there for the questioning. But anyways, so real close. Um, So they were awake. Like It's not like they were in bed sleeping. No, they were like up getting ready for the day to go to work. Hate that. Hate it. So I think I actually left that out. I think I meant to put that at the beginning. Or maybe I put it somewhere else in here. I'm not sure. But anyways, um, they didn't show up to work. Right. And that's, like, why it took, like, so long for the dad to go over there and find them. Because they didn't show up to work. So, like, they called work called them and was like, hey, have you heard from them? So, he called them yeah. around, like, that 12.50, 1 o'clock. Yeah, I don't like that. And they were killed around 7 or 8. Good thing that Keelan was at school then. Yeah. So, she says that Keelan caught the bus around 6.30. And then he should have been in school all day after that. The school verifies this information and gives Keelan an alibi. So as I thought, the he police, didn't do it. You were correct. The police also compared the footprints found at the scene to Keelan's, and it wasn't a match. I didn't think it would be. So with those two things, it cleared him as a suspect. They asked him if he knew of anyone who would them, and he said that he didn't. No one would have wanted to hurt them. Everyone loved them. They were some of the most adored residents of their small town. Do you think that's true? I don't know. That's. I feel like every time we have a case, it's like everyone loved them. They had a beautiful smile. They lit up a room. I don't know. I just want to know if it's true or not. Like, how often is that true? And how often is it just feeling sad because they're gone? Yeah, I don't know. What are you going to say about me if I get murdered? I'm going to say she was kind of awkward. When she entered a room, no one noticed. (laughs) Everyone (laughs) noticed because she hid into things as she came in. I don't know what I'm gonna say. I just always wonder if it's like, like, do we really just have like a whole bunch of like awesome, amazing people getting murdered, or is it this just the stigma when someone gets murdered to like? You're frozen. I didn't hear that. Am I still frozen? No, I oh. can see you eating your ice cream now. <laughs> Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. I don't know what I said. I said, I just wonder if, like, we're actually losing, like, the best people in the world. I mean, I'm not saying that they weren't good people because they probably were. But I don't know. I feel like every time we have a case, it's like, they were amazing. They lit up a room. Their smile was the intensity of a thousand suns. But, like, do they, were they actually that awesome or do people just feel bad? Because, like, when I die, my obituary better read, like, she was kind of a bitch, but we loved her anyway. 
I mean, yeah, that's exactly what I'm going to write. I just wondered. So, Niles, Michigan was a small town where everyone knew every everyone. Everyone knew everyone. It always is. <laughs> always. So, it was located about 20 miles from Lake Michigan. It was pretty small. I looked up the population. It's about 11,000. So, not super small, but... Decent sized. Smallish. Okay. So, it was one of those cute towns that had parades and apple festivals. It was a farming town, and it had a really cute, like, downtown area. Looked up pictures of it. My favorite kind of town. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of, like, you know, that, like, star, that typical, like, Star's Hollow town. Yeah, it's my favorite. So, super cute. The police continued to talk with neighbors, hoping someone would have seen or heard something, but pretty much everyone said that they saw and heard nothing. It was a typical quiet morning with nothing out of the usual. One neighbor, Linda Hawks did say that she saw, while she was getting ready for the day, a man running down the road in dark pants, a dark hoodie with the hood up and boots around 7.45. She describes a tall, thin, white male. She remembers that she thought it was really odd that he was running down the road in boots. And her description matches what they know so far um, with his body type and what they gathered from the footprints in the snow and the time of death. So probably the murderer running down the street like a freak. Most likely. Okay. Don't love that. No. Police question Carolyn's sister, Katie. Keelan's mom? Yes, Keelan's mom. So they learned that Katie and Carolyn didn't really get along, like at all. Nothing like that. When they told... No, we're best friends. But these sisters were not. Okay. When they told Katie of her sister's death, she didn't show much emotion. And it was almost like she didn't really care. What? She even said, I won't miss my sister, but I didn't kill her. What a bitch. That was a quote from her. So, nicely. What a bitch. Really killing the love there. So, while talking with Katie, they found out that Carolyn and John had started the process of getting um, custody of Keelan. Oh my god, I thought you were going to say a divorce. No. I was like, <gasps> No, they were a perfect little couple. They'd only been together. For years, and they were perfect. I know they were, but you had me scared. No, no custody of Keelan, so good thing. So at first, Katie was on board; she agreed with it, but then she changed her mind. So Katie seemed to have some bad feelings towards her sister because she was continuing the process, even though Katie changed her mind. Well, because Katie's a fucking trash bag. Yeah. Who picks her new husband over her son? So yeah. Yeah, she kind of sucks, and she said that she wouldn't miss her sister i would hope that if i got divorced and i picked a new husband over my children i was like oh you guys don't like my new husband go live with your auntie ash that you would take custody of my kids and put me in a dumpster (laughs) that's exactly what i would do so katie's husband david matched the description of a man running down the road he was tall thin white male so he doesn't like keelan but he can kill the siblings so they don't get fucking custody of him what Maybe. the hell, Ashley? What kind of whacked freaking case is this? <laughs> what kind of whacked case is this? I'm mad right now. <laughs> I'm actually angry. Well, just calm down and listen to me. Eat your ice cream and listen. <laughs> For anyone that cares, I'm eating Little Debbie uh, Pumpkin Delights ice cream. No one cares. They do. They know how much I love pumpkin delights. <laughs> you do. We love talked about it. 
when I found this today, I was in heaven. I got this for myself and I got Jacob um, the Christmas tree. The trees. Yeah. Yeah. So it's delicious. You can have some tomorrow when you come. Okay, I'm going to. You better not eat it all tonight. Getting kind of low. <laughs> it's only a little tiny pint. No. Anyway. I'm upset that you didn't buy me any. You I know, when I find things that I think you would like, I buy it for you. I'll like go back first. The fall gnome. I bought you a big fall gnome. But did you buy me a mini fall gnome? No, you didn't. I didn't know you wanted one. Anyways, doesn't matter. Katie and David became suspects. However, they both had an alibi. Katie was a school bus driver and was driving her route at the time of the day. David was at work at the time of the murder. His time card says that he worked from 6.57 to 11.02 a.m. His boss verified this and says that there was no way that he could have left work without them knowing. There were cameras that he was seen on multiple times, and there was also a palm reader at his work. So I don't know what kind of work he does, but sounds kind of fancy and important. I don't buy it. <laughs> okay. Well, there's no evidence against them. So they remain suspects, but they can't keep them on anything. So the investigators think that maybe they weren't involved directly, but maybe they hired someone else to do it for them. They're still kind of thinking that it's about the custody issue. Quite possible, but did they have money for that? Because I think hiring a hitman's expensive. Well, they looked at their bank accounts. And they did find a large sum of money posted to their account recently, about $20,000. That was taken out or added to? No, added to. And then a couple days later, 15000 was taken out. Where in the hell did they get $20,000? Well, turns out a barn caught on fire at their house. So it was the insurance money. Did it catch on fire or was it lit on fire? <laughs> I think it caught on fire. I don't think there was anything suspicious. It was like their insurance money going into the bank, and then the money going out of the bank was to rebuild the barn. And they did rebuild the barn. Okay, I was going to say, did they rebuild the barn, or? No, they did. Both Katie and David took polygraphs and passed them. Doesn't mean shit. Well, I know, but with okay. everything else, I guess it does a little bit. No. So they think now that it's very unlikely that they were involved. So they focus a little less on them. But the town is really on edge. They're thinking it was just, what is it? Is it a random act of violence? Is there a serial killer starting? Town is just not happy. I imagine they are. No. Two months pass and there's still nothing going on in the case. There's a lot of rumors going around of what happened. You know, small town life. That's what you do. You gossip. Mm-hmm. But the police released really little information to the public. They kept everything really close-knit. So all the public knew was that these two people were shot and killed in their home. But that's all they knew. Everything else they kept to themselves. So because they didn't know a lot, there were some crazy theories going on. But most of which was everybody was pointing their fingers at Keelan. A lot of people. What? That no. Yeah. No, not Keelan. He's sweet. I like him. But I guess when the police came and took him out of school, they made like kind of a big deal about it, like pulled him out in front of all of his peers. So you know how rumors go. Oh, I know. In 2010, I was in high school. I'm aware. Yeah. Yeah. So kids suck and they talk. And so a lot of people are thinking Keelan did it, but we know Keelan is sweet and he did not. Yeah, we know that. 
So he moved in with his grandma. In April, Sharon went over to her daughter's house for the first time since the murders to go through and clean it out to get ready to sell it. She was cleaning out the fridge and the freezer, and in the back of the freezer, there was a bloody knife. In the house? And the fucking detectives didn't find it? Nope. What the hell? So she calls the police, and they come to gather the evidence. They say that they just really missed it, and they feel like idiots, and they're sorry. They should. They should feel like idiots, yes. But also, like, are you really going to look for it in the freezer? I mean, I guess they should be looking everywhere, but, like, it's a pretty weird place to put a knife. If two people were murdered in the morning, in the daylight, I think you should check the whole fucking house. I mean, yeah, probably, but I'm just saying. I feel like Including I the freezer. see how they would miss the freezer. Okay. So, because of the knife in the freezer, they think the killer maybe wasn't thinking clearly. So, they don't think that this was a planned attack. They think maybe it was either like a crime of convenience or a robbery gone wrong, but nothing was taken. After testing the knife, they determined that it was um, one of the murder weapons. There was blood found on it that was Carolyn and John's, but Carolyn and John's DNA was the only DNA found on the knife. Hmm. The knife did match the knife that was missing from the knife block, so it was in fact the one from their home. Mm -hmm. Police believe that the suspect shot Carolyn and John and then stabbed them to ensure that they were dead. Carolyn was attacked first since her blood was carried over to John's body. And even though they now have one of the murder weapons, they still are no closer to solving the case. For the next two years, they continue to investigate, tracking down all leads, but they have nothing new to go off of. They're getting nowhere. Also, I'm sorry that I suck, but I just realized that I never told you about the hair that was found. The kid's hair? child's hair, and you were like, I don't like that. So it yeah. was actually nothing. It was actually just, like, they believed it was one of her, like, music students, because she taught music at her house. Oh, okay. So I apparently didn't write that in here anywhere, but that is what the hair was, so. Okay, well, that's good, because I didn't like the kid's hair. I thought that, like, somebody really brought their kid yeah, no, the kid had nothing to do with anything. Okay. It just happened to be a child's hair. Okay. I can live with that then. So anyway. Yes. So in January of 2012, there had been no new tips for six months. But there was an unrelated traffic stop. Good. Her name was Jill Fricks. Her name? Yes, that was stopped. Okay. The traffic stop. Jill Fricks. I believe this is how you say her last name. Anyways, Jill ran a stop sign and is pulled over. Okay. And she's just like super nervous acting, throwing up all kinds of red flags. They're not liking it. And she tells the cops that she knows who killed the Tarwackies. Tar they just pull her over and she's like, I know who killed the Tarwackies. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. They pulled her over and she's like, oh no, cops. Let me tell you everything I know. Okay. So, why it took her two years to finally tell them, I don't understand. Because she'd never been in trouble before then with the cops, so she didn't have any reason to use that leverage, I guess. But if she ran a stop sign, it wasn't like... Right? But, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's not like she just got caught, like, dealing heroin. I don't know. Right. And was like, okay, so I understand that I'm in trouble, but... Right. If you cut me a deal. Like, I don't, I don't understand. But anyways, so... She interacts with the cops, and she tells them that she knows. She okay. says that it was Keith Lentz. He was 28, and he was a neighbor of the Tarwackies. 
He lived with his mother about one mile away. Keith was known around town as trouble for his drug use. The police talked to Keith early on. They just thought that he was, or they just talked to him like as a neighbor trying to get some general information about what he may have saw, things about the Charwackies, and he gave them no reason to suspect him, and he was never really formally questioned. Okay. Jill says that she was living with Keith's cousin at the time of the murders, and one day Keith showed up there with a gun, and she says that gun was a revolver. She says that he showed up going on about some footprints that he left behind, and he was kind of freaking out. Okay. But Jill says that he did a lot of drugs, and he was always talking crazy and telling wild stories, so she didn't really think much of it at the time. But within the next two years, she would hear from many of his family and friends the same stories. So she gives the cops the names of three other people that she says will all corroborate this story, and they have all heard Keith talk and brag about his killing of the Tarawakis. So they go to question Keith, but he's already in jail on a DWI charge in Tennessee. Of course, he denies he had anything to do with it. He says that he has an alibi. He was sleeping. Okay. Terrible alibi. I mean, I guess that was Gary Thibodeau's alibi, too. It put him behind bars, so. Yeah, terrible alibi. So he says that he didn't even get woken up by the sirens. And his mom, who lived with him, says the couch when she left for work at 6.25 a.m. She said what? He was sleeping on the couch. Okay. When she left for work. And then his mom says that the next time that she saw him was around 8 p.m. that day when she got home from work. His brother also lived with them. He says that Keith was sleeping on the couch, but that Brian, I think was his name. I didn't write this in there. But the brother, I believe his name is Brian. He didn't wake up until 9 or 10. So he says that he was sleeping when he woke up, but it wasn't until 9 or 10. Okay. And then after that, they went to a friend's house, hung out, and drank beer all day. So that doesn't really give him an alibi that he says he has because none of them can actually account for the time that they were murdered. Right. From 6.50 to 7.50. Right. And also, what a douchebag. He kills these people and then goes and hangs out with his brother and drinks beer all day. Yeah, pretty much. He sucks. Both his uh, mom and his brother state that he wasn't wearing black clothes when they saw him and that he was wearing his work uniform. But he didn't actually work that day. So why he was in his work clothes, don't know. Did he work the day before? Maybe. Like, I maybe he fell asleep in them. No, maybe. I guess that's possible. His physical appearance and his shoe size matches what they believe the suspect has. He also had pit bulls, so he was good with dogs. So it would make sense that he didn't have a problem with the Mastiff. Right. Once the first four people came forward, three more people came forward to say that he also bragged to them about killing the Tarwakis. Um, They know information about the case that the police haven't released to the public. They know that Carolyn was beaten and that both Carolyn and John were stabbed, which is something the police never told anyone. So because of this, the police know that Keith is guilty. They give him two polygraphs and he fails. He said, and he fails them? Yeah, he fails both of them. Okay, like glitched out. My favorite thing, a jailhouse snitch comes into the picture. I know how much you love those. 
He comes forward to say that he previously shared a cell with Keith and that Keith confessed to him that he murdered the Tarwakis. The police put a lot of faith in this jailhouse snitch. They put him back in jail and made him Keith's new cellmate and made him wear a wire. And again, Keith confessed everything to him. The jailhouse snitch says that he's not really sure he was actually in him. He was just rambling to himself. But either way, he just like told the whole story of what happened that day. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like a back and forth conversation. It was just like him talking the whole time. Right. Keith says that he was high on meth and the back door was unlocked. So he went in to rob them, hoping to score some money for drugs. However, Carolyn and John were home, so he had no choice but to murder them. I disagree with that statement. I don't think he had no choice. No, I don't think that he had no choice either. I mean, you always have a choice, especially when it comes to murder. He could have, um, you know, went to jail for robbery. I feel like that would have been a much better ending than going to jail for murder. I agree. Or he could have just, like, not been robbing them. Well, yeah, but if he was going to rob them, just rob them and move on with your life. Right. But he didn't even successfully rob them again. It's the same thing as Katie. Yeah. How are you going to rob someone and then not finish through? Right. Especially since you freaking killed them. Like, at least have the fucking decency to finish up with your job. Yeah. Assholes. Yeah. The jailhouse snitch um, asked for nothing in return for helping out the cops. He was just trying to help. He said that he'd done enough bad things in his life. He could at least help with one good thing. So that's interesting. You know, good. You know, I'm not really a fan of the jailhouse snitches, but this one seemed to actually be pretty good. That's interesting. Whatever he was in jail for. I don't know. Especially considering like he went back to jail to help them out. Right. Like that's some dedication right there. I don't know if like he was already in jail and like he was in a different jail and they transferred him or if he like full on went back to jail. I'm not really sure. Yeah. But either way, they moved him into a cell with Keith to share a cell. Right. Okay. So Keith was charged with first-degree murder, and his trial was September 6, 2013. Their case was mainly based on circumstantial evidence and testimony. The only physical evidence they had were the shoe print in the snow that matched Keith's. There were seven unrelated witnesses from different states and friend groups who all told the same story, that Keith talked and bragged to them about killing the Tarwakis. I don't understand how there were seven people. And it took, like, two and a half years for any of them to come forward. Right. Well, because people are trash. Like, I don't get that at all. Because people are trash. I mean, they are, but, like, if you know someone killed someone, go to the cops. And it's not like it was, like, oh, his brother. Like, I could see maybe, like, a brother or a parent. Right. Or, like, a super close friend not going to the police. But seven people. And one of them was his cousin's girlfriend? Well, it's just like in Heidi Allen when, you know, who was it? Jennifer West got new? Yeah. Stuff, and she was like, it's not my job to do their job for them. Like, people are just honestly, like, people don't even surprise me anymore. No. With the, like, lack of caring that they have. I guess they don't really surprise me either. It just, like, breaks my heart how much the world sucks. Yeah. I agree. So, Keith showed no emotion during the trial, and within three hours of deliberation, the jury came back with a guilty verdict. Keith Lentz received two years for felony firearm charges and two life sentences for first-degree premeditated murder without parole. Hmm. He is currently being held in Carson City Correctional Facility. He did try to appeal twice, and both times it was denied. Hmm. That is all. 
Where did you find that case? In the good old Google. You just Googled crazy no, crackheads that murder people? Murder comes to town. That's what I thought. Okay. <laughs> Why? I just figured it was one of your crazy shows. I actually tried to watch Murder Comes Town the other day. I did not like it. I was not a fan. Really? No. Too slow for my liking. It is kind of slow. Not enough action. Hmm. Well, I'm glad that they found the person that did it, but what? I mean, I I don't know. What a trash bag. Yeah. You didn't even have a reason. Just a junkie looking for a fix. Most of the time they are. Hate it. Yeah, he sucks. But most of the people in that case sucked, so. Yeah. Really thought it was a sister and her husband. Kind of disappointed. Yeah. They did, it did kind of sound like it was going to be them, but it was not. It did. That was a pretty interesting case, though. Well, thanks. Definitely makes me uncomfortable for my thinking that I'm safe at 6.50 to 7.50 a.m. Yeah, especially since he was just, like, a random dude. Right. Like, what the heck? He just, like, came in? Like, was the door unlocked? He just, like, opened the door? Yeah. Did he know they were there? No. That's why he killed him, because he thought they would already be gone, like, when he came to rob him. Were their cars not in the driveway? I mean, I would assume they were. But he also Hmm. came in through the back door, so maybe, like, he didn't see the cars? Maybe. Maybe he came from the back? Maybe. I don't like that. And I mean, he was their neighbor. He lived a mile down the road. So maybe like he knew like, they're normally at work at this time. I mean, maybe. I do remember reading in like one of the things that um, Carolyn was having like computer trouble that morning. Like she was trying to do something on her computer and her computer wasn't working. So maybe that like delayed her. Like maybe she was supposed to be to work a little earlier. Yeah, Maybe. She's going to get her to commuter to work, so... And they worked at the same job, so, like, obviously they would have... Right, they would have went in together. So. Yeah, I don't know. Wasn't a fan of that. But he was just uh, high on meth and... Needed to get some money. So do you think that his mom was telling the truth when she said he was sleeping when she left for work? I don't know. Because I feel like he was high on meth, so he'd be, like, awake all I mean, I could see, I mean, I don't know. I couldn't see murdering some of them going to sleep, but like if his brother woke up at nine or 10 and he was sleeping, if he'd been up all night, he could have crashed. Right. I have a lot of questions. But also like, I feel like if he got up at, like his mom said he was sleeping at 625. Right. So he could have got up at 630 and done some meth. But then I feel like he wouldn't have been back to sleep at 9 o'clock. Right, like one of them has to be covering for him, because I don't see how he would have, like, gotten up at, whatever, 6.45, shot up some meth. You shoot up meth? I thought you smoked meth, but I don't know. Okay, possibly. Smoked some meth, and then I feel like he'd be high on meth and wouldn't be back asleep by 9. I mean, that's only a couple of hours. Right. I don't know how long meth highs last, but I feel like it would probably be a while. Yeah. So, I don't know. I feel like one of them's got to be not telling the truth. Yeah. I don't know. Well, that was an interesting case. All right. Well, thanks for sharing. We don't have any questions from the Discord because we only had one and we answered it in the last episode. Yep. All right. So, that's it, y'all. 
now that we've been recording for about three and a half hours. Oh, time for bed. All right. Well, we will see y'all next week. Bye. Okay, thanks. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard and want to support a small podcast, please give us money at www.patreon.com forward slash weekly dose of wicked where you can join one of our three tiers at the $5 level. We've got the moderately wicked for $7 a month. We've got the awesomely wicked. And for all of those high rollers, big ballers out there, we got the $10 level, the extraordinarily wicked as a member of our Patreon, you are entitled to bonus episodes. Uh, You also get a one-time shout-out on our podcast, as well as some other cool little extra things going on there. So come on over. Join our fan club. Feel free to give us a follow on Instagram at weekly underscore dose underscore of underscore wicked, or you can literally just search weekly dose of wicked and we'll pop up because we're the only ones. For a direct feed of our podcast, please go to www.weeklydoseofwicked.buzzsprout.com Great news! You can now listen to us pretty much wherever you like to listen to podcasts. That's right, folks. We are big time. You can now hear your Weekly Dose of Wicked on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Plus Alexa, Podcast Addict, Podchaser, Pocket Cast, Deezer, Listen Notes, Player FM, Podcast Index, Overcast, Castro, CastBox, and PodFriend. The only place we can't seem to get ourselves on is Pandora. So we'll let you know when that happens. In the meantime, make sure to come back next Wednesday for your weekly, weekly dose, dose of, of Wicked. Wicked. But um. Psh.